Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Andy Palmer and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 656 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have director Andy Palmer joining us. Now, Andy has a new comedy out from Lionsgate. It's called The Re-Education of Molly Singer. Now, and it stars Britt Robertson, Wendy Malick, and Jamie Presley, and a whole great cast. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. Andy has also directed uh, Camp Colebrook and the Funhouse Massacre, and he's done some other stuff too. He's an editor also, some great shows that he does. He does a lot of that too. So uh, Andy's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, so uh, we'll find out a little bit more about the re-education of Molly Singer on On Screen and Beyond. So I uh, also want to thank uh, our listeners from around the world, and of course the United States. We have all kinds of uh, listeners in the UK had some emails from you. Thank you for uh, writing me and also from Australia. And uh, I will work on uh, trying to get those people that you suggested. And uh, thank you so much for getting uh, you know, those ideas to me because um, it helps out. So if you have a suggestion, you can email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and I'll see what I can do about uh, getting that person on the show. And uh, it can be somebody from the music world the TV or movies makes no difference to me. We'll try and see what we can do about getting those people on. So thank you very much for that. And uh, well, the writer's strike is over. Finally, that is a big step forward. Uh, we still have the actor strike that is going on, but the studios have now moved on from the writers to the actors and they're in talks. So hopefully that will all become resolved and will be you know, finally back to normal as, as we can. It's going to take a while to get things geared up, of course, but uh, hopefully that will keep things moving forward and we'll get some uh, great entertainment coming our way. So uh, hope, uh, hope everything goes good and quick for that, for the actors. And uh, we want to uh, keep our eye out for that being resolved. And then I'm sure there's going to be a flood of movies and things going on, and hopefully we can get some more people here at on, on Screen and Beyond to talk about that. And uh, let's see, what else do we got going on? Uh, hope you had a great week, and uh, I had a lot of fun this week, and we did a couple more interviews, got some more people lined up, ready to go. They're all in the can, and uh, we'll be uh, giving you more and more episodes of On Screen and Beyond with some great, fascinating guests. So why don't we get right into it? Uh, what do you say we get into remakes, sequels, and prequels right here on On Screen and Beyond? Please hang up and try again. Remake, sequels, and prequels. Well, the Pulitzer winning novel by Herman Walk will hit the big screen on Showtime now. It's called The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, and uh, it's uh, the final film that's directed by William Friedkin. 
And Disney is gearing up for their live-action remake of Bambi now that the writer's strike is over. So we'll see where that goes. Disney's Snow White live-action remake will arrive in theaters on March 22nd currently. And an update on Stephen King's Salem's Lot, the remake film they're going to make. And uh, it's all filmed, and it's it was scheduled for... To, you know, to be in theaters uh, this year, but it is still currently in limbo. There's no word why they're not releasing it. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated and find out what uh, what uh, is happening with that one. And if you saw the original film, which was actually a TV movie uh, or a, a miniseries, I believe, uh, that was great. That was a great uh, film, but uh, this one could, could be good. So we'll see what happens with that. And that is it for uh, for remake sequels and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Down in Dallas Town, from JFK to K2. It opens theatrically in New York City on November 17th. It's a documentary film that explores the impact today of the JFK assassination. And Argyle brings Bryce Dallas as a spy novelist, whose novels start mirroring a real-life spy who's allergic to cats. Sam Rockwell and Henry Cavell also star in that film. That's coming your way on February 2nd, so look out for that one. And that's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Well, it's movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Movies and TV on DVD and streaming October 6th on digital. You can see Strays with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx lending their voice. And on October 10th, it comes your way on Blu-ray and DVD. And Lifetime's A Very Merry Christmas Collections Volume 5 and 6 brings you 12 Lifetime holiday movies in one package on November 7th. Sound of Freedom, a big movie this past summer, will land on Blu-ray and DVD on November 14th and on digital November 3rd. And November 21st, you can look for Resident Evil as it comes back in a limited six-movie 4K Ultra HD Steelbook collection. And King of Killers hits Blu-ray and DVD on October 31st. That's it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going into TV and entertainment time. Hi, this is Dean Butler, and I'm on On Screen and Beyond. TV and entertainment time. ABC has canceled Home Economics. Writer's Strike comes back, they canceled the show. And Nickelodeon has renewed SpongeBob SquarePants for a 15th season. And Aerosmith has canceled all of its 2023 tour dates as Steven Tyler has suffered a fractured larynx. And shows will be rescheduled for 2024. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on Oscar and Beyond, we have the director of the new comedy from Lionsgate that's coming out called The Re-Education of Molly Singer. It's Andy Palmer. And Andy has a great cast. He has a funny film. And it's in theaters and also on streaming. So look out for that one. Andy Palmer, next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is a director who has led the films Camp Colebrook and The Funhouse Massacre, among others, and his latest film is The Re-Education of Molly Singer. It's director Andy Palmer. Andy, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. What's going on? How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day uh, here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you on your new film. It's a good film. I watched it the, uh, last night. And, oh, good. Uh, it was uh, it was a fun movie. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I, I really appreciate you giving it, giving it a look-see. We're, we, uh, we love it, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to hash it out with you. Now, tell me something. Is I, I got the feel of maybe an homage to the eighties type films, you know, the, the, yeah. those type films. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I am like, I mean, you know, you can look at, well, you, we're, we're just audio, but if you were to see me on camera right now, I have just a smattering of nostalgia tchotchkes on the wall and stuff like that. Yeah. I am definitely a throwback kind of guy. I love eighties, nineties, uh, comedies. Those are my jam. And, and, you know, even in my earlier films, uh, I may have been accused once or twice of, of being, uh, you know, a, a bit on the nostalgic side, painting with the nostalgia brush, as they say. Uh, and that's just my jam. And I, and I love it. And this is one of those movies. It's just sort of a, a modern take on the comedies that I loved growing up. Yeah. Well, give us our audience and a, a little idea of what the re-education of Molly Singer is about. Sure. So Molly Singer is about a young attorney who uh, feels like college were the, the best days of her life. She was the queen of campus at Barnett University. Uh, shout out to Indiana Jones, where uh, that's where we got the name of the, uh, uh, the college there. Uh, and, uh, and she's struggling in her, in her burgeoning law career because she goes out and parties every night. And so the night before the biggest case of her career, she goes out and parties too hard, sleeps right through the alarm and, uh, and misses the court date. So, uh, she thinks she's going to get fired. She almost gets fired, but in a uh, twist uh, that only celluloid could deliver, uh, her boss's son, who goes to the exact same university, becomes the campus pariah on his first day on, on at school. And so instead of getting fired, Molly is tasked with going back to school to basically turn the, the, her boss's son into uh, you know the campus hero as opposed to a zero. I like the way you did some of the twists in the film. It's I, I don't want to give it too much away because you know <laughs> I hate that when when the, the, everything is given away. But uh, you did a good job with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, you know we we tried to like we tried to take. Uh, you know, those sort of kind of classic comedy tropes of adult comedies, raunchy comedies and stuff like that. And then just sort of modernize it. You know, I think humor has changed. I think we as a people have changed and stuff like that. And so we try to, I, I look at it like, I think that comedy in the past can sometimes like marginalize groups. And I think that the key to making something funny and still pushing the envelope is to make comedy all inclusive like everybody's in on the joke and and anybody can also be the butt of the joke so you know no one no one is a no one is above anyone when it comes to who we're who we're poking fun at and stuff like that and i think if everybody's involved then uh then the humor works and uh yeah i think i think it works uh i think it works here as, as well now the cast in here let let us know about who's in the cast this is i gotta admit this is a good cast Oh, thank you. Yes, definitely. Uh, I always try to, you know, the key for me, uh, my directing is always just trying to cast properly because they will then do much of the work for you, which is good. You know, uh, I can sit back and be like, oh, that's hilarious. Good job, me. No, uh, <laughs> but no, we had uh, we had Britt Robertson, who uh, she's on the rookie feds right now, but also has been acting since she's knee high to a duck. And um, 
I, I first like totally fell in love with her uh, in Tomorrowland. I just thought, who is this? Who is this person that's just going toe to toe with George Clooney? Like it's you know, like it's a Saturday afternoon. I mean, she is just so talented and and really brought Molly to life. Uh, Nico Santos was somebody that when we were working on retooling the script. I, I, I was like, we need like a Nico Santos type, someone that's sort of like lovable, but snarky and you want to hug him, but you also want to slap him. And, and, and it was crazy that he got submitted. And, and I was, you know, I was like, please, please get this guy. Cause he's the guy we want. Uh, and then Ty Simpkins, who, you know, had just come off the whale. And I thought not in a million years, is this guy going to go from working with Darren Aronofsky to, you know, Andy Notsky. And, uh, but he did. And, uh, and he had a really good time. I think it was an, I think it was an amazing, like stress relief for him. Like it was just a totally different vibe on set and, you know, coming off a really, really heavy Academy, uh, you know, Academy nominated award-winning drama to, you know, just having fun and, and, and making something funny, uh, I think kind of gave him a, a sort of breath of fresh air, uh, in working, uh, Wendy Malik, Jamie Presley is amazing. I love Jamie. Sierra Ramirez, I'm a huge fan of Good Trouble uh, on 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 Freeform, and it was it was amazing to get somebody like her. So yeah, it was just this kind of dream cast that all came together. So how do you go about getting these people on? I mean, you you know, just call them up and say, hey. Jamie, you want to you want to be in my film? I do, I do. I have I have everybody on speed dial. No, uh, no. It really came down to uh, we had an amazing cat. We had amazing casting directors, Shannon McCanian and Gabrielle Amagar. Uh, and Britt was the first one of the first people we sent the script to, uh, if not the first person we sent the script to. And then when she came on board, when you have somebody like Britt, who just kind of universally everybody loves, come on board, everybody sort of starts to pay attention to the movie, right? And so then it, and then it sort of snowballed. And, you know, Shannon, uh, was really close with Ty and Ty's family. She had cast him when he was much younger. And so that was kind of how we got, we got the script to Ty. And then we actually had originally, uh, attached, uh, Wendy McClendon Covey from the Goldbergs and Reno 911 to play Brenda. So she was actually came in, came on right after Brit. But because the movie we were dealing with, the tail end of COVID, when can we start shooting and stuff like that, when it's going to be safe to start shooting. Uh, and then also just, you know, as indie films go, like, okay, we got this financing we got to raise, we got to do this, and 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 everything sort of gets pushed. Uh, Wendy had to go back to the Goldbergs. So then Jamie became one of the last people we cast because uh, we lost Wendy last minute. Uh, and But now I can't imagine anybody else playing Brenda but Jamie because she was just so perfect. And she was so great opposite Brit. Like their personalities were just so they, they meshed so, so well. And uh, yeah, so that was just a happy accident. Now, from what you're telling me that, that a lot of this is, is not only who you cast, but who you have casting, correct? Because oh, for sure. I mean, yes. you know, it sounds like you got to get these, the right person to be able to make the connections to get these people. Casting directors are just the unsung hero of a movie. Uh, never get any credit for the amazing work that they do, the talent that they like. I I knew of Ty, but I never pictured Ty in that role because I'd never seen him in a comedy. And Shannon was just so emphatic about you know how talented he was and stuff like that, and brilliant. Yes, she's amazing, and Ty was perfect for the role. Uh, and yeah, they just. They have such an eye for talent. I, I'm surprised that like more casting directors don't become like directors themselves because they just they see things that that 
you know, are miles ahead of what, what other, what, what other people see them. Mm-hmm. Now you're mentioning people moving from, you know, say a casting director to a uh, casting to a director. Yeah. Now you've done similar to that. Only you started out as an editor, right? Yeah. Was your goal to be an editor? Well, no, a goal was always to be a director. Okay. Uh, but when I was in college and I started really getting into filmmaking, I came in like right at that DV DV revolution, right? Where you could buy a digital camera and you could plug a firewire cable into your, you know, computer with a 20 gig hard drive. And you're like, this is amazing. You know, like I can go make a movie now. Uh, so I had made a movie my, uh, my senior year in college and we shot for like every weekend, you know, it was like a short film, but we shot for like 15 weekends, you know? And then I started like learning how to edit. And I was like, Oh my God, if I was a better editor, I would be a way better director. Cause you start to like parse stuff down and see the way things cut together. And, 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 and you're like, Oh, I, I would save myself so much trouble if I knew how to do this better. So I went to an editing after that, I went to an editing school and that's how my career started. And, and, and to this day, I mean, you know, after I get done with interviews today, I'm, I'm flopping over and, and working on a show on the CW as an editor. So, um, uh, but the goal was always to get in the director's chair. And I'm, I feel really blessed that that's kind of the trajectory I took because when I'm on set, especially in an indie film, you just never have enough time. It's just, you know, something happens, whether, you know, the location doesn't open up on time and, and, and inevitably your assistant director is going to come up to you and be like, Hey man, we're, we don't have enough time to get through this. And as an editor, I can very easily go, okay, cool. If we lose this, this, and this, we can move from this shot to this shot. We're not going to miss anything. And, and, and then that just keeps the, the set calm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, the set will go as the director goes. And if you as the director are running around with your hair on fire, everybody's running around with their hair on fire. So uh, I, I feel really blessed that I, I came up in editing because it, it keeps the, the set very chill. Now, with the re-education of Molly Singer, did did you do the editing or were you involved with it? I'm sure. <laughs> by, that, by that same token, up till Molly, I had always edited my own films. But that was really out of economic necessity because I had more experience than anybody we could afford to, to hire on the editing side. And so... But this movie had we had a budget, and so uh, I went to my buddy Tim Rush, who's also who's edited a ton of shows with me. He did a movie with me called Collection, and and that was the best experience in the world because there's so much of Tim in this movie. There's so like an editor brings such a different dynamic. They see things differently uh, because. As a director, you bring so much baggage with you to the edit room because you remember how hard every shot was to get. You remember that the dolly wasn't working that day and that you had to do this. And this is the way you had it in your head, but it might not have come out that way exactly on set. An editor doesn't bring any of that baggage. They they are literally looking at at the footage and going, what is the best story I can tell in, with what I have available to me and what can I steal to, to enhance it even more. And um, so that just brings a whole fresh perspective. And Tim, there's so many things that Tim did in this movie that I just never would have even thought of. Yeah. Did you have to do any reshoots or anything uh, you know, or to add to the film or anything like that? No, no reshoots, but we did run into weather at the very end. I mean, we're shooting in Atlanta, Georgia at the end of the summer. It's thunderstorm you know, season. Uh, so... Uh, Molly, uh, when she's running, uh, running through the streets late for work, uh, we had to p- go and pick that up in, in Los Angeles. So that's our only, uh, oh. our only shot of Glendale is, uh, Molly <laughs> weaving in and out of, uh, out of traffic. But other than that, that was it. That was really the only thing on the whole script was just 
a scene of her running through the city that we lost and then we had to pick up. Wow. That's, that's great. Jeez. Yeah. We moved, we, we moved really well. We had a great team. Uh, and yeah, we shot the whole movie in 20 days, 20, 20, 20 and a half. If you count, uh, that, that shot of Molly running through the city. Wow. That I, it's amazing how you can, you know, I mean, some people might think that sounds like a, you know, a, a, yeah. a long time, but it, it's, yeah. it's not, I mean, it, no. to do a film in that short of time is incredible. Yeah, it was, um, we moved, yeah, we moved really quick and there's a lot of like complicated, you know, when the, the more humans you have on a set, the slower everything gets. And so when you have things like these big parties and you're, you're moving this kind of herd of background actor actors and stuff like that around, everything slows down. And a lot of things, a lot of times people don't realize is like, when you shoot in in confined spaces like that, that firehouse that we had, that converted firehouse that we had, it was like kind of the party pad. It's a huge house. But when you put 40 people in it and two cameras and a dolly track and this and that, your room to move becomes very, very small. And that slows everything down, you know. And so, um, yeah, it, it was amazing. We got, I mean, we shot that whole booze cathalon scene, all the interiors in one night. And it was Truth. the most I'd ever been just energy level at a 10 the entire night because it was like keeping all the background actors happy and like they're at a party and Brit was so amazing like she would get on the microphone and start singing or doing something and keeping everybody up but also it was like okay we got to do this we got to play this game and I need this shot of this and uh, and it was it was the craziest night on set but also I think for most people the most fun yeah. uh, we had a really good time with it what about a college campus how did you get onto a college campus or was this guerrilla style, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, we full permission. That would have been awesome, right? When they're like, who are these guys? Um no no no. We uh you know we were really lucky uh that we shot on two different colleges. We shot at Kennesaw State uh in uh, out just outside of uh uh Atlanta and and then we shot uh, even further up the road at a small college called Reinhardt. And Reinhardt especially was uh, both colleges were amazing, but Reinhardt, like they rolled out the red carpet for us and they were so sweet. The, the frat house, like Stu's frat house is actually the president of the university's house. So imagine wow. us <laughs> yeah, rolling in six trucks deep, 6 a.m. Be like, well, sir, we'll take it from here. And it was just like pulling things off the wall, putting our stuff on the wall. And they, wow. I mean, for them to do that and to have a set, have a set piece like that was just incredible. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. John O'Hurley, you remember me as Jay Peterman, and I'm on on screen and beyond. Your editing career uh, is also pretty amazing. I was looking at your credits, and and you've done some big shows, really. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been really fortunate to uh, to edit a lot of stuff, and I came up in uh, in reality editing uh, in non scripted again, which I feel was a blessing in disguise because it made me such a better storyteller. You know, it's a, it's a very different style of, of editing. And the fact that, you know, you're not given a script, you're given sort of a parameter and outline. And then you work with a story producer to, to craft the story, to basically write the script in the edit. Uh, and, 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 and the ways that you do that from stealing, you know, I, I was I was literally just talking with another editor friend of mine on the show that I'm on now. I'm I'm doing a show called F Boy Island for the CW, and I I literally was like, 
you know, going down the line, I'm like, okay, I need this, I need this character to give this look and stuff like that. And so you're, you're sort of hunting through the footage and it could be 10 minutes down the line. And honestly, you know, she or he could be looking over at, you know, the producer talking to them or something like that. But just that look is perfect for what you need. And that's what you do. And in reality editing is you just sort of beg, borrow and steal all these moments to write the story. And then that translates into, you know, script writing. There's so many times in, in, in a movie that I've edited that I've just stolen a broken take or, or, you know, an in between to sort of like create, you know, uh, a mood. Yeah. Well, Andy, I know we're running out of time here, so I want to yes. finish up with the final question. When you sit back and relax, what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Yeah. Wow. Fantastic question. Um, boy, that Ted Lasso, uh, I mean, you can see I have the believe thing. I have the, I have the, you know, <laughs> the blanket. Ted Lasso, I've watched uh, the first and second season like three times. I've watched the, the third season once. Uh, that that's that show. I cry almost every time. Uh, the TV series Parenthood was like I. My goal is to work with like every single actor on that show. That that show used to get me uh, every single time. Such a great blend of of comedy and heart. Um, Movie wise, uh, you know, I've seen my favorite movie of all time is Roxanne. I watch oh, it yes. probably two, three times a year. That's like the movie. I, when I learned how to screenwrite, you know, this was pre sort of like being able to pull a script offline. You know, when I was in college, like the internet was not in, in its infancy, but not like I couldn't go to Drew's scriptorama and grab <laughs> any screenplay I wanted, right? That didn't exist. So I went to my library at, at Northern Arizona University and they had one book on screenwriting and it was Steve Martin's Roxanne and LA story. And that's how I learned how to screenwrite. Mm. And I think by proxy, Roxanne became my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Well, Andy, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and people should be looking out for the re-education of Molly Singer, and thank Thank you. you so much for joining us. Brian, you're the man. I appreciate it. And a big thank you going out to Andy Palmer for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. A lot of fun talking with him. We could see each other. You could. You can't see him, but he, we could see each other. And, uh, he, he, he made a comment. He liked my, uh, I have an on-air uh, sign in, uh, in my office where the uh, studio is, where we have the uh, equipment here to uh, do the show. And uh, he liked my sign. So I, <laughs> he had one too, but he said he liked mine better. So anyways, uh, hope you enjoyed that episode of On Screen and Beyond. We've got uh, more coming your way. Got some very interesting people who are uh, going to bring back a lot of memories to you. So uh, in our next episode of On Screen and Beyond. So get ready for that. And uh, if you have a suggestion, like I've always said, give me a email. You know, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Or if you are, uh, you know, going to... Uh, get our episodes if you're on spotify and things you can uh, there's a there's a little button that says uh, send voice message i think it says or something like that and uh, you can go there and you can actually talk and say it you know and uh, there's a possibility if if you want you can say don't use this on air but there's a possibility we might use it on air if uh, if it's something we could use that's a way to contact me too you can do it that way and uh, if you uh, you know just want to chat, go ahead, send me an email. That's it's, it's fine. So we got a lot of things uh, that are in the works, and uh, you are a big part of this show. So we want to make sure that uh, we stay connected. If you are on Spotify, uh, 
they, we have polls every once in a while that we put up. They'll stay up there about a week and everything. So if you uh, want to get involved with that, you can. And, uh, you know, usually we ask a question about, uh, you know, different things that uh, are going on. And uh, we might do some uh, other stuff. Uh, just trying to think of the different things we can do. Um, I'm thinking of doing, uh, you know, some type of, uh, you know, what's your favorite film of uh, a certain year or something. And I'd list a few and you could pick out of those and see, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with something and uh, we'll keep you uh, informed on that. Uh, that's uh, unfortunately that only works if you're on Spotify. So, mm. You know, if you're getting us from Apple or uh, Podbeam or any of those other ones, uh, it, it doesn't work on that. But if you want, you can do that. So, <laughs> anyways, check us out on socials. We're all there on X, uh, Twitter, whatever, and uh, also on Facebook and on. Instagram, we are on those. So hope you'll uh, check us out on there and like us and share. Share it so more and more people hear about On Screen and Beyond. That will get us more people here on On Screen and Beyond to do interviews. Appreciate that. That's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>